life. My name is Justin Jordan. I'm the lead minister here. And so glad you've chosen to worship with us if you're new. Um, one of the things I just want to encourage you with this morning before we get into the sermon is um, it's really good to worship with a church that sings loud. And here's the reason why, is because when people choose to sing loud, what that means is a couple different things. Number one, it means you understand how good our God is, amen? And you understand that he is worthy of our praise and our worship, and you are willing to declare that loudly, even though you may not have the greatest voice in the world like me, it doesn't matter because God loves a, a, a voice that is lifted up to him, and uh, he loves it when his children sing. It also means that not only do you understand how good God is, you understand what singing and worship does to your own soul. Amen? And you may even realize that worship actually helps change the environment of the people that, you, that are here this morning that maybe aren't ready to sing because they're wrestling with who God is. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, church. It's good to worship with you. And I hope that was life-giving to you this morning because it was life-giving to me, listening to you sing and worship. We are in the midst of our what we call our core value sermon series where we're working through the core values in our church of share, connect, minister, and disciple maker. And we've gone through share, we've gone through connect, and now we're talking about minister and how every single one of us is called to be equipped to minister in the church and in the world. And we're going to be talking about that today. Before we do, um, here's what you need to know about me is I'm a go-getter. And so for me, like I tend to think and to act quickly because I want to get stuff done. And there's great strengths to that because you'll get a lot of good stuff done. Here's what also happens is sometimes you don't get the right things done. It's not really thought through really well. That's the weakness of how God's made me. And so I've got this amazing person called my wife who is very different than me. She thinks through things. She's more analytic. And so she actually goes, maybe that's not a great idea. Or have you ever thought about this? Ever thought about that? Is anybody married to an analytic this morning? Or maybe you're dating an analytic? Or maybe you just know an analytic? Two of you know an analytic. That's good. Awesome. Cool. How many of you guys uh, are more of, of, you know, the driver type? You know, the person that gets stuff done? Anybody else? Two of you. Is this, maybe this isn't a thing for you. Maybe it's just me. Um, okay. Well, that, that's just how me and my wife operate. And sometimes what ends up happening, though, on the negative side of the analytic side, is a little bit of an overthinking of things. Where it's like things are just kind of really simple. Like, this isn't really that complicated. I think you're overthinking this. And these are the things that I say to my wife. And she looks at me like, no, you're dumb and I'm right. And then we get in a fight and then it's a great, great conversation, right? Sometimes what Jesus calls us to are really simple and clear things. But we start to overthink a little bit. And sometimes we allow fear to creep in. Fear that's really not even true or not even there. Kind of like the Halloween season, right? Where we're like, we're afraid of things that maybe aren't true, that aren't there. Um, I want to show you a video clip. And this video clip kind of reminds me of my childhood of the show Fear Factor. Anybody remember Fear Factor? Okay. Great show, right? I wouldn't have done any of the things they did, but it was a great show to watch, great entertainment. And sometimes they would put you in a clear box full of stuff. Do you guys remember that? Tarantulas 
cockroaches. I'll just leave it at that. And you'd have to sit there for a while. Well, um, I found this video clip of someone who is afraid of what might be in this box that they're about ready to touch. And it's really silly is what it is. Um, it's really ridiculous, but it's a great laugh. Let's take a look at it this morning. Oh my God. Oh, shut up. 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 Don't say nobody say anything. Don't say anything. Oh my God. No, what? No, I know. What? Louis, I'm just playing. All right, here we go. Put your hand in there, Louis. Go all the way in. Lower. Lower. Go all the way in. What is that, bro? No, no, no. No, no. What is that, bro? What is that? What does it feel like that? What does it feel like that? Oh, my God. 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 It's right on the bottom. Is it alive? Is it dead? You gotta get in there. It's right on the bottom. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Why is it moving? Why is it moving, bro? Oh my god. Oh my god. What is that? Is it eyes? Is it eyes? What does it feel like? What does it feel like? It feels sticky. It feels slimy. Overthinking it a little bit, right? Sometimes Jesus calls us to things and we automatically start overthinking. We automatically start allowing fear, worry, anxiety, all these things that keep us from moving into what God's calling us to move into. But we don't realize that on the other side of it is a tremendous amount of life, a tremendous amount of great impact in Jesus' kingdom that he's inviting us into but we're not willing to take that next step because we allow things to creep in. And Jesus is calling us to something really great, to be ministers in the church and in the world. And we've got to ask ourselves this morning is, are we willing to lean into the thing that God is calling us to be and to do for his glory and his kingdom? Today we're going to look at a passage, and there's some key questions I want us to kind of wrestle with this morning in regards to this passage is, is how does Jesus actually equip his disciples? How does he actually walk beside them? How does he actually accomplish the mission of, of raising up ministers in the church and in the world? How does he go about doing this? And maybe there's some key takeaways for us this morning as to what Jesus may be calling us into. Uh, the story picks up in Matthew chapter 9 in the Gospels. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is about halfway into his ministry. He's been with his disciples for about a year and a half. And so they're seeing a lot of things that Jesus is doing, miracles, amazing things. And the crowds are starting to grow bigger. In Matthew chapter 9, it says that while Jesus is up in Galilee, everybody say Galilee this morning. It's north of Jerusalem, and, and um, he's up in those areas, visiting town to town, it says in Matthew chapter 9. He traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, the Sea of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Say workers. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. It's a great sentence. The Lord is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. 
And so Jesus looks at the masses, he looks at the people, and he realizes there needs to be more workers, there needs to be more ministers, and he tells his disciples, we need to pray for workers, we need to pray for ministers. And I'm sure they went, okay. So Jesus has spent a year and a half equipping his disciples, being with them, and what you need to know is he's about ready to do something else. He's about ready to take a next step. He's about ready to model for them and then actually deploy them and send them out into the fields, into the community, into the cities. I want you to notice that Jesus tells his disciples to pray and then Jesus just doesn't do anything. He just doesn't stop and go, we need to pray and then we'll just wait. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say that. In fact, the next thing he does is Matthew chapter 10. Jesus actually has a strategy of how he's actually going to get more workers. He actually sends his disciples out into the community. Verse 1, Jesus calls the 12 disciples. He gives them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Verses 5 and 6, he tells them who to go to. Not the Gentiles, but the lost Jews, which is a whole other sermon for another time. Uh, verse 9, he tells, them, he tells them not to take along any provisions. Imagine that. I'm sending you out into the cities. Don't take anything with you. Well, how are we going to eat, Jesus? Don't worry. i got a plan for you. Verse 11, go in each town and find a home that would be willing to bless you, let you stay there, feed you, and that provides an outpost from which you begin ministry. He tells them to be on their guard. He warns them in advance that they're going to face persecution. He encourages them with the knowledge of God's sovereignty and care of them. Why does Jesus do this? Why does he say the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few? Tells the disciples to pray for workers, and then he sends them out. Why? Because Jesus accomplishes his work and his ministry through his disciples. He accomplishes his work and his ministry through you. Through you. And so Jesus sees the need for more workers because the masses are growing. And he says, I've got to get my disciples. I've got to get my boys ready to take care of the masses. And he begins the process of sending them out. He begins the process of working through them. And here's the thing. 2,000 years later, Jesus is still accomplishing his work through you because you are a minister. Did you know that? You're a minister. I say, no, I'm not. I'm not qualified to be a minister. I didn't go to Bible college. You're the minister. No, we're all ministers. Prove it to me, pastor. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, that is a statement that if anyone is a believer of Jesus Christ, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, raise your hand this morning. Okay, who's this talking to? You, us. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, gave you the, the next word is the, the, the what? The ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are there for Christ. What's the next word? Ambassadors. You are a representative of Jesus in this world. 
You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are a minister. All of us that are in Christ, we are making, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him known who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Why do we serve? Why are we called ministers? Because God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know that we are called real life ministries for two reasons? Number one, we want to live real life with Jesus and with one another, which is we talked about last year or last week, real relationships, truth and trust, transparency and vulnerability, the ability to come into church and say, I'm not doing well. I need relationship. I need prayer. I need help. I need guidance on next step that that you can navigate this life with other believers in real relationship, real life. And then the last part is real life ministries. That we are all ministers. That we are all called to minister in the church and in the world. This is who we are. Why? Because this is what the Bible says about who we are. That we are all ministers. And I love how Jesus equips his disciples to minister by doing on-the-job training. You notice that? We need more workers. So what we're gonna do? Disciples, I'm gonna send you out and you're gonna go and learn how to minister. Oh, I've never done that before, Jesus. Yeah, I know. You're gonna mess it up. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna fail. That's okay. I'm with you as you go. And you're gonna learn and you're gonna grow and you're gonna go and love people and minister to people and it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be difficult, but I'm with you. Kind of sounds like the Great Commission, doesn't it? This is how Jesus trains us on the job. You don't have to get a certification. You don't have to get a degree. You don't have to do any of that. What you need to do is just be willing to surrender what Jesus is calling you to do to minister in the church and the world. Now, automatically, you might be thinking of all the different obstacles as well. I, I can't do that. Here's the reasons why. Some of those things might be this. I'm not a Christian. I'm just checking Jesus out. And if that's where you're at, I want to tell you, I am so thankful that you're here. Guess what? At Real Life Ministries, we want to encourage you that there are places for you to serve. Even though you may not be a Christian, we will let you serve because we want you to belong. And we want you to belong even before you believe. And that's a real thing here. That you can belong even before you believe. Are you with me in this church? If so, Amen. Like you can belong even before you believe. You can hang out with us. You can check out worship. You can actually serve in certain places because we want you to actually rub shoulders with other Christians. And there's no better way to experience what Jesus is like through his people. You might be saying, okay. I just want to warn you. We ain't perfect. Christians, right? We are not perfect. But Jesus is with us. And if you want to experience real relationship, if you want to experience love, you want to experience forgiveness, you want to experience all the different facets of navigating, learning how to follow Jesus, get in real relationship, get on a ministry team and learn how to see how Jesus works in everybody's hearts, in our goods and in our bats. You might be saying, well, I'm just too busy with work. I'm too busy with family commitments. I've got kids. I'm in that stage. I'll just share this with you from Andy Stanley because I appreciate it. Too busy to serve at your local church? FYI, every Sunday you attend your local church, you are served by very busy people. Get involved. All of us are busy, right? All of us are busy. The question is, do you believe that you're called to be a minister? 
in the church and in the world? Are you called to that calling? Do you believe 2 Corinthians chapter 5? What we say here at Real Life Ministries is we're asking you to get into the game. We're asking you to get into the game. And you notice that, that statement that we're calling you to serve in the church and in the world. Why do we say both those things? Because here's the thing. The church is the place where we actually begin to practice what it means to be a servant. The church is where we actually practice this new life that Jesus has called us to. But it's not the end result. The end result is that you would realize that in every aspect of your life, you are a minister. So when you go home to your spouse, you're a minister. When you go into your neighborhood, you are a minister. When you go into your workplace, you are a minister because you are living out the identity that Jesus has given you. This is what Jesus is calling us to. And man, I just want to say this to you real quick. Um, I've got a really good friend who has made a significant spiritual impact in my life, one of the great disciple makers in my life. And I've asked him lots of questions about his life. And the reason why is because he's a part of a family where there's generation after generation after generation that are following Jesus. And I don't know about you, I want that for my family, amen? And you want that for your family, to see generation after generation after generation to love Jesus, to see your sons, your daughters, your teenagers, your young adults, to see them love Jesus and follow Jesus. And I asked him this question. I go, what do you think was the most impactful thing for you that wanted to follow, you wanted to follow Jesus when you were in middle school? You wanted to follow Jesus when you were in high school? You wanted to follow Jesus when you were in college? What was the most impactful thing in your family? You know what he told me? He said, my dad loved the church and he loved to minister no matter the circumstance I found, I, our family found ourselves in. I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, there were times when it wasn't good going to church. There was drama and hurt and pain and all these things. You know what? My dad kept going. My dad kept ministering. Sometimes my mom and dad weren't in the great place in their marriage. He kept ministering. He kept serving. He kept staying connected. And that rocked me. Did he love Jesus that much? Did he continue to serve no matter the circumstance? He continued to minister no matter the circumstance. What would it look like for us to be those types of people that were committed no matter what we found ourselves facing? You might be asking yourself, I don't know what opportunities are available. Well, come talk to me or Jenny or Joe. We would love to chat with you about all the different opportunities that God can maybe use you to minister in the church or in the world. You may say, I live too far away. It's a struggle to get to church outside of service times. We've got people that attend our church that live in Mountain Home. We have people that attend our church that live in Idaho City. Sometimes I want to move to Idaho City. <laughs> um, but that'd be a drive, to be honest, right? With family and kids, it wouldn't work for us. But for this family, like, they're committed. Like, we're going to make it work. The staff team is paid to serve so I don't have to. Do you know what the Bible says about that? Ephesians 4. This is what the Bible says about that. Ephesians 4. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Who are these people? They're the leaders of the church. What's their role? What's our role? What's our job? It says to equip his people for works of service. Everybody say equipped this morning. It's actually the leadership's job to equip the saints for ministry. Why? 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. They will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, we speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. When you choose to live out the calling that Jesus put in your heart to be a servant, to be a minister in the church and the world, you actually begin to grow in maturity and you help the church grow in maturity so that we would look more like Jesus. So what would it look like for you to begin the process of not overthinking, not thinking about all the fear, the worry, but the reality of what Jesus is calling you to? What would that look like? I love how Jesus, as he sends out his disciples, he sends them out, and then he does something really brilliant. He does something really smart. In Mark, in Mark's account of this, it says this in Mark chapter 6, that when they returned from their missionary journey, their ministering journey, it says this, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told, them, told him all they had done and taught. What were they sharing? Wind stories. All the things that God did. Do you realize that part of the reason why every single Sunday, when we get up here, we talk about what God has done this week. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. What, did what, what, what happened this week? Why did we celebrate Trunk or Treat? Because Life or Kids team went and served our community and loved on kids. And who knows what fruitfulness is going to come of that? Other than I know last year we've had families come and get connected because we just served them at Trunk or Treat. What are the things that God may do? As they talk about the wind stories, Jesus said, after they talked and debriefed, Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Everybody say rest this morning. Rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Jesus equips his disciples by debriefing with them, and then he's also reminding them to rest. Why? There's so many people. Ministry's chaotic sometimes overwhelming, and it's important for us to rest. And for some of you, you do need to learn how to rest. Why? Because Jesus is gonna send you back out. And in fact, if you know how the gospels go, the ministry continues to grow, and Jesus sends out just not only the 12, but later on in the gospels, he sends out how many? Does anybody remember how many? I heard it a little bit louder. 70. He sends out again, right? Why? Because he's equipping more workers and he wants them to rest if you've come this morning and you've been coming to real life you may even be coming and saying you know what i i i've been in ministry i've been serving and i'm needing to find a place to rest and i want to encourage you real life is a place where you can come and rest it's a place where there may be seasons in your life where you're like i need to rest i need to just be here and you can you can come and sit here and rest at real life what i will tell you is that jesus is going to eventually call you back out He's going to call you back out. He's going to call you back into the community. He's going to call you back into the church. He's going to call you to be a minister because that's who you are. What do we do with this? Well, here's my, my challenge to you to think about is what would it look like to get connected into a group or a ministry team at Real Life? What would it look like to take the call that Jesus has given you and get connected to 
a team or a group where you can begin the process of serving, of ministering, so that you would begin to learn to put on the new clothes that Paul talks about, the new way of living, to learn how to become a minister, that this would be a, a ground where you practice what God is calling you to be over and over and over again. And here's the next thing. Some of you might be like, I'm already a part of the ministry team. If you're a part of a ministry team here at Real Life, would you raise your hand just real quick? I'm gonna embarrass you a little bit. A lot of you already. This is amazing. Here's the next step I wanna call you to. Maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable. Is what would it look like for your ministry team, even though you may serve in the church? That's okay. What if you went and did something for the community together? What if, what if you got together and said, hey, why don't we go do something for the community? Why don't we go and serve and deploy like Jesus' disciples did and serve and love on the community? And you're like, well, the church already does all those. Yeah, the church does all those things already. But what if you took ownership and said, I'm gonna go do this or we're gonna go do this for the sake of Jesus, his kingdom, and for us growing as disciples? We've got ministry partners in this community, Meridian Food Bank, that I think serves like 5,000 people a month when it comes to food. Isn't that amazing? I can guarantee you they would love to have some people knock on their door and go, hey, we'd be love to minister and serve in some capacity this month. Do you have a need, this project that you can't seem to get to? And go and serve and love on them. I know they would say, oh yeah, oh yeah. And what a blessing it would be for them. Boise Rescue Mission, ministry partner. What would it look like for you to go and serve and love and maybe fill a need that they have and just surprise them and be a blessing? And what would it look like if you said, you know what, in the next 30 days, we're gonna go and get this done. And then maybe, maybe you got together for coffee or lunch together and you said, let's debrief how that went. What did you learn? What did you see? What did you experience? Kind of similar to what maybe Jesus would do with his disciples right? What would that look like? Maybe that would change you and change your perspective of what Jesus is calling you to be. You're called to be a minister. You're called to be a contributor, not a consumer. You're called to get into the game. What does that look like for you? Well, I want to brag about uh, a group of ladies in our church because when I think about this story of Mar Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 10, I think about our Life for Kids leadership team. Um, and this is a picture from them this morning um, in the midst of um, wearing costumes and dealing with kids that are wearing costumes and having an amazing day of Life for Kids uh, when it comes to serving them. Um, why do I think of this team when I look at Matthew 9 and Matthew chapter 10? Here's the reason why. Trunk or treat used to be a thing that would be an all-church event. Well, the reality is, is there's all sorts of all-church events that are happening all the, all the time. Um, and the reality is, is we want to continue to do trunk or treat. We want to continue to love our community well. And so Jenny and her team said, well, why don't we just take on trunk or treat? And we already celebrated today that they went and did trunk or treat. They went and loved on thousands of kids this week to create an environment where for the city of Meridian that's meaningful and impactful. Do you realize that there are cities all across the United States that wish they had an event like that? And we are blessed to live in Meridian, Idaho. Amen? And what makes it great is when people serve. And this team is the one that said, we're taking on Trunk or Treat this year. We're going into the community and we're gonna love on these kiddos. And we're gonna invite them to church too. Why? Because we want to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. 
But here's the other thing that I love about this team is this team just doesn't get together and take care of life or kids stuff. What this team also does is every other week, Jenny gets together with them and they get together and they talk about what's going on in their life. They talk about what's going on and what Jesus is showing them. They talk about their marriage. They talk about their kids. They talk about what it means to be a minister in the church and the world and beginning to grow and become more like Jesus. And so here's the thing, is when I look at Jesus' disciples coming together and talking and living life together and then deploying out into the community and then coming back together and living life together and deploying out into the community, Jenny and her Life or Kids team, that's what they're doing. What are they doing? They're being Jesus' disciples. They're being Jesus' disciples. And this is just one of many teams that are living the life that Jesus has called us to. And every single week, we hear kids running, running up and down our hallways at Real Life Ministries. We hear kids screaming and yelling at Real Life Ministries. We hear kids here in the worship team and worship auditorium talking and screaming. Why? Because we value kids. We want to reach them. And there are a whole lot of churches out there that don't have any kids. Praise God for that. Are you with me this morning? Oh, we've got a hole in the wall because a kid put a hole in the wall. Praise God that he put a hole in the wall. We have kids at our church that want to learn about Jesus. Every week I call first-time guests. Tell me what was your best, best part about visiting. My kids love church. We've been going from church to church to church. My kids love church. Parents, if you ever have to worry, oh, my kid, don't run in church. No, let them run. They're kids. It's okay to have fun at church. Why? Because we want them to know they can be a kid. Jesus wants them to be a kid. And this team loves kids well. And they're coming together and they're living life together and they're serving the community together. What would it look like for you to join and to take a next step? What would it look like if we understood that we're called to be a minister and that when we live life as a minister, it changes our community. Not just our church, it changes our community. So a couple of things as we get ready for communion, as we recap today. Jesus equips his disciples by being with them, modeling for them and deploying them. And the work that Jesus wants to accomplish on earth is done through you, it's done through us. Jesus equips his disciples to minister by using on-the-job training. We just jump in. And Jesus equips his disciples by debriefing with them and reminding them to rest. And you are called to minister. You are called to be a contributor, not a consumer. And so this morning, I just want you, as we get ready to go to communion, to begin to pray about that reality. Is what does it look like to maybe lean into what Jesus is calling you to lean into? If you came this morning and you weren't prepared to take communion, you forgot to grab the elements, if you want to raise your hand, Stephanie would love to serve you. Kelly would love to serve you. Keep those hands up and we'll get the elements to you. But I just want to invite you to, to bow your heads and to pray about some of these next steps. What does it look like for you to be equipped to be a minister? Because it's who you are. And the reason why is because Jesus has ministered to us. He has served us. He has loved us. And he's called us to carry on the ministry of reconciliation. So let's spend some time with Jesus as we wrap up this morning.